You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Tonight, uh, I want to speak from Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and the message title is When They Prayed. When They Prayed. We are uh, actually, as a church, going to be kicking off 21 Days of Prayer starting this Sunday. I'm going to be teaching on prayer, but I I wanted to kind of kick this off. Tonight isn't just about prayer, but this is a catalyst, uh, I believe, in our lives for everything that God does. When we pray, God moves. When we pray, heaven moves. Uh, We we often talk about uh, what the enemy's doing in the world around us, what darkness is doing. Uh, it doesn't take uh, really, to, it doesn't take much spirituality to turn on the news and see how bad things are at times. But, but here's what we need to recognize is that God is not less active than the devil. God is not less prepared. Uh, in fact, just so you know, if you've read the end of the book, we win already. Uh, heaven's already won. But I want to encourage you because uh, you're on the winning team and you've been given the, the equipment, the, the weaponry. You've been given everything you need in the resource and, and, and uh, practice of prayer. So Acts chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 18, we're going to put it on the screen tonight. Acts chapter 4, to give you a little bit of context, is the first major miracle of the early church. A man who's, uh, who's paralyzed in both of his legs is healed as Peter and John pray for him. Uh, and you'd think that everybody would celebrate God doing something, but the moment God did something through his people, through the church, it made all kinds of religious devils mad. Uh, and it didn't take long. And so here's what happened next. Persecution for the first time ever arose against the church. And the enemy tried to snuff out and stop, through religious means, stop uh, God moving in his people, the church. And so uh, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, call Peter and John to call them to account for what they did in praying for this man and seeing a miracle. And so they called them, verse 18, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. They, immediately, they said, just be quiet. So, so cancel culture is nothing new. <laughs> they, 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 but here's, here's what happens. And we think, oh, it's happening now. No, this is always 2,000 years the enemy's trying to shut up the church. And, and here's what the, they say. Don't teach in that name. Don't mention that name. Don't talk about that name. But Peter and John answered and said back to them, I've always loved this verse, uh, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you be the judge. You know, there's going to be a point, I'm just going to find it, forewarn you if this hasn't happened yet, there will be a point in your life where you're going to have to decide between what God wants you to do and what people want you to do. There's going to be a moment where you're going to have to make that decision for yourself and say, I'm going to either let the opinions of people rule and direct my life, and sometimes the hardest ones are the ones closest to us, the opinions we value the most, but in that particular moment may not be speaking and, and, and directing us in what God is calling us to do. And so uh, I just think, you know, we should just always obey God. Come on, somebody. We should always do what God wants at the end of the day and, uh, and, and ultimately let him be the judge in that. Uh, verse 23, so they're being let go. They, they continue to threaten them, but uh, being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. This is what the church did. This is their first response to persecution, to opposition, to difficulty, to to trouble. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth 
the sea and all that's in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, verse 29, this is where our, our, our key is today. Watch this, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When they prayed, come on, church, when they prayed, what was their first response to difficulty? It wasn't to run and hide, it was to go to God. We treat prayer as a last resort instead of a first response. It's the last option after we've exhausted all others. But that's not the way the early church operated. And I believe that, that if we're gonna experience what the early church experienced, and we can, by the way, uh, that we should have prayer as our first uh, response, not our last. And I remember years ago talking to a couple friends of mine who were uh, from another country and it experienced on a much more regular basis in their life and in the church had seen tremendous miracles. I mean, just amazing, mind-blowing miracles like you read in the Bible and they would see more than I had even seen even in our churches and we had seen miracles happen but, but they would see them on a regular basis and I asked both of these guys uh, why is it that you seem to have this, this, these actions or ha uh, uh, movements of God in your country and in your nation than we seem to and, and they both from different countries different backgrounds both said the exact same thing they say because God was all we had so we didn't go through other options. You have too many options. <laughs> what if God was our plan A? What if God was our first response? What if, what if in a, not only do we talk to people and get counsel, and not only do we look for natural help that God certainly provides, but we start with God. We start with prayer. We start with going to the only one who's our source in every season. When they prayed, it wasn't if they prayed, it wasn't maybe they were gonna pray, it was when they prayed. And I love that their prayer, uh, as you can see, is it starts with God, this is who you are. You're the maker of heaven and earth. I, I know they threatened us. I know they told us to stop, but notice they didn't say, God, should we stop? <laughs> How many things are we wondering, should we do this or not do this, but we really deep down already know what we should do? I learned this a long time ago in pastoral counseling. Most people, most people tend to already know what they should do. Now, there are times where we don't. I've been there many times myself. God, I don't know what to do. But just to be honest, most people generally know what we need to do. The problem is whether the desire to change isn't there or we, we, we just simply uh, can't take that next step. It seems too hard, too difficult, too painful. And we know what needs to be done, but we're hesitant to do it. Well, this is the answer right here. They know what needs to be done, and so they go to God for the help to accomplish it. 
They say, God, what our hand can do isn't enough. We need your hand to move. We need you to work in this situation, that you would stretch out your hand, that you would heal, that signs and wonders would be done in Jesus' name, that this would take place when they prayed. Can I just remind you that when you pray, I know the Garth Brooks song said, I've got friends in low places. <laughs> and that can be true. Uh, but can I just remind you, you've got a friend in high places that is an answer in every season that is available. I just found out who all the country music fans are. <laughs> and, 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 and there's just something we need to remember that prayer would be our first response. I like to say it this way, that prayer shouldn't uh, be the spare tire we go to at the end when we have all flats, but it's our steering wheel. It's where we go to first before we get, and listen, God meets you in crisis. God's there when you hit rock bottom. God's there when you have no other options. I'm thankful for that. But when we recognize that God is our first response, how much more can God do, then do in our life? And so when we pray, a few quick things uh, before we get to our main points, but I wanna give you these because prayer uh, connects us to God. And I know that's simple, but, but it's something that we need to recognize. Prayer connects us to God. Why is prayer powerful? And I've heard it said, you know, I believe in the power of prayer. And, and that's not a bad thing to say. But more, more importantly, it's not the power of the activity of prayer that changes things. Prayer is what connects us to a supernatural God. It's, it's like prayer is the, the extension cord that gets plugged into the outlet. The extension cord isn't what produces the power. It's what connects you to the power source. And prayer does that. And so prayer connects us to the living God. Prayer also takes hold of the promises of God. The Bible is full of promises. Full of promises. And these promises are not just for somebody in history, but they're promises for you and for me. They're promises of God's provision, promises of God's protection, promises of God's healing and, and salvation and freedom and promises that God answers the prayers of his people. And what we do when we pray is we remind ourselves of God's promise and we take hold of it for ourselves. It becomes more than something we just learn about, memorize, study, but it becomes something that's now ours. Prayer takes hold of the promises of God. Prayer also invites the power of God into our lives. I've, I've learned that prayerless means powerless. But where there's more prayer, there is inevitably more power. Because we connect to God, prayer also changes things. And here's what I want to remind you. Prayer changes things, and it starts with me. It starts with us. Prayer starts a work of transformation on the inside of us. And when they prayed, three things happened. The first thing that happened is the place they were in was shaken. I love that. The place they were in was shaken. And I believe that the first thing God begins to do as we connect to him in prayer is prayer leaves us freed. That's point number one. Prayer leaves us freed. It, it doesn't leave us the same. Prayer connects us to a supernatural God and prayer is an invitation for God's power to come to work in our lives, but it actually produces something real. And so if I want real freedom, the key is inviting the God of freedom closer and closer in my life. Prayer is not, uh, and, and, and let me just say this, freedom is not a self-help uh, 
It's not a man-made effort to try to change me. Anybody ever found that you make resolutions, you make self-promises, you make commitments, well, I'll do things differently this time, and, and, and you make deals, but you inevitably fall short because we're depending on our ability. But what does prayer do? Prayer invites God's ability and it brings freedom. When they prayed, the place they were at was shaken. In fact, I, it's, it's mentioned a couple times in the book of Acts uh, that, that when the Holy Spirit would come in the room, when God would move, something was shaken. And, and while they experienced that uh, in the room and in the environment actually happened, uh, I just want to remind you that when you pray, things that the enemies established, that, that the devil has built, that, that life has put up, that hurt and pain and, and people leaving you and people talking about you and, and the failures we've made, all of that that's built up becomes like a castle that binds us. But when you pray, that's shaken. When you pray, the things that have held you captive are broken. When you pray for others, those the Bible calls them strongholds. Strongholds are broken. There is not one stronghold, one lie, one captivity, one. there is not one thing on planet earth that's greater than what God can do in prayer. Not one. So, so, can I just challenge those of us who've been Christians long enough to complain about all the things happening in the world? What if instead of complaining and pointing fingers, we bended the knee and we prayed and we actually believed this? I, I remember years ago when I, I first started getting on Facebook and I used to post everything that was on my brain like you did too. That, that, that I used to, you know, you take a picture of your meal. Some of you are still doing that. Can I just tell you, nobody cares. Nobody cares. They blocked you a long time ago. They're not. <laughs> Sorry if I hurt somebody's feelings. Um, but, but, I, but I remember I, I posted something about praying for a leader that a lot of Christians didn't like. And I said, let's pray for them. And I tell you what, I got more complaints on that one post. Hey, people, oh, pray for them. Like anything good would happen. Come on, church. What if we actually believe that the place can be shaken. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 says, uh, whose voice, God's voice, shook once shook the earth, and now he's promised, yet once more again, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And now this yet once more indicates, listen to this, the removal of those things that are being shaken as are the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So when shaking happens, some things are broken, and some things are established. Some things are separated and removed. I've had God begin to move in my life in answer to prayer, and suddenly certain relationships are no longer the same. And I go, God, what happened? What happened to that person? Why are they acting this way? Why is this, why is this going crazy? And shaking's starting to happen. And if I'm not careful, I'll think the shaking's a problem instead of a blessing. And what I'm left with after the shaking is something that's unshakable. Watch what it says. Since we are receiving, verse 28, a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us serve God with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. 
We are receiving a kingdom that's unshakable. That kingdom's still unshakable, no matter what the news says, no matter what the economy's doing, no matter what your friends say, no matter what your family members have done, no matter what that person who left you has said, that you have something unshakable. And when your foundation is anything that is shakable, God in his mercy, here's, let me, this, this can be easily misunderstood, but God in his mercy cannot let me build my life on something that is sinking sand because he knows that'll be destructive. He knows where that'll lead me. And so we pray and God begins to shake things. And we go, oh God, I, I'd rather hold on to all of this. And, and, but instead, when we surrender, we go, okay, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you remove what needs to be removed so that you can establish in my life something that's unshakable. Is that making sense? So when we pray, things are shaken. Let me, let me give you a quick story in Acts 16. Acts 16, at midnight, Paul and Silas, who, by the way, are in prison, had been just beaten for preaching Jesus. <laughs> I'm so thankful that the early church did not listen to that command to stop. Are, are you with me? Like they could have easily said, oh, we're done. We'll be quiet. We won't rock the boat. We won't make a mess. We'll just, we'll just you know, get along to get along. <laughs> and if they had, that would have been the end of the story. And generations would have been kept in darkness. But Paul and Silas continued it. They pray, but here's, they're, they're preaching the gospel. They get thrown in prison. They're beaten. They're spit on. They're mocked. They're all, all of this. And while they're in prison, instead of complaining, this challenges me because sometimes, you know, I had a, I had a, a problem with a flight last week and I was complaining. <laughs> Paul, and Midna, Paul and Silas were praying. Watch their first response and singing hymns to God. They're having a worship service. And the prisoners around them in this prison in Philippi were hearing their prayers and hearing their singing and hearing their worshiping. They've got an audience. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. What happened when they prayed and when they worshiped, the place that bound others and even held them captive began to be shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Can I just say that again? Everyone's chains were loosed. Every captive and every prisoner, even those that were not participating in the prayer, got the benefit of the prayer. Oh, what would happen, church, if we prayed for your family that's far from God? What if you worshiped when, when all hell seems to be cut loose? Oh, I know what would happen. Chains would begin to be broken. <laughs> Do you know what shaking also does? It wakes us. Anybody a heavy sleeper? Two of you, three of you, Okay. Jacob's a heavy sleeper. I'm a heavy sleeper. Can I just tell you something, a little fun fact about my life? Um, I've slept through every earthquake I've ever experienced. True story. I, I've slept through multiple earthquakes. I don't remember any of them because I was that heavy of a sleeper, especially as a teenager. Um, but, but when things are shaken, it's a wake-up call. <laughs> it's to awaken us to a purpose, a God-given purpose. Number two, I'll go through these next two quickly. Number two, because I will not let Jacob be right on that. <laughs> Number two is they were filled. Watch what happens. When they prayed, not only was that place shaken, but the Holy Spirit came and they were filled. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible 
uses another term for being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to that same group of Christians, before he ascended to heaven, he said, in a few days, you're gonna receive and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. To be baptized, we do baptisms here. We're gonna have one in, a, in about a month and a half here at the church again. And to be baptized, people are immersed in water, declaring their new life in Christ. Old life is buried, raised a new life. Many of you have been baptized as well. And, and it's that same picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life, where we are literally immersed in the Holy Spirit. We're, we don't just get a little bit like a Dixie cup version of the Holy Spirit but we are immersed in the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the power of God. When you pray, and can I just remind those of us who've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, this same group that in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two, it says the house was filled, the Holy Spirit moved, there was a sound of a rushing wind and cloven fire was on their heads and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. That's what Acts chapter two says about the beginning of the early church. But that same group, two chapters later, faces opposition, faces a challenge, and they go to God again in prayer. And that same group, it says, is filled with the Holy Spirit. Why were they filled again? Because sometimes we leak. That same group was filled again. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit once, but we need to be filled again. Let me give you some Bible for that. Uh, Ephesians says this, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Greek for that, a Greek tense is not just be filled as in one time, but it's a be continuously being filled. What's the point? Where you're empty, God wants to fill you. Where you're hurting, God wants to heal you. God wants to fill your life until you're fully empowered by him. Our life will always carry what we're saturated in. I remember years ago, I had a lady come to me. I love, I love people with opinions in church. It's funny. Um, this lady comes up to me and she says, Pastor, you need to do something about this. I said, what? What's going on? I'm thinking it's like something major. And she says, I sit behind and she named a lady in the church. She says, every Sunday this lady comes in and she has way too much perfume on. Like an insane amount. And I've tried to move. I've gone to the other side of the room. And would you not know it? She's there with me. Like we just, I can't escape. Can you please tell her to not wear so much perfume? I, you know, last time I read a pastor's job description in the Bible, it never said perfume checker. Um, but I tell you that story because the reason why there is a strong fragrance. You ever have, like you've, you've just been, you've put on too much perfume or you've been around somebody. Like the scent is still there after that person leaves the room. Like it's, it's, it's strong. It's too, it's too much. I, I, when I, I, I used to work at a youth rec center and I had all our guys in the basketball. We'd play basketball all day and it'd be hours and hours of basketball. And, and man, it stank in that room, because it actually was a place in Phoenix, we had no AC in Phoenix, which was a, that, that was not fun. And these guys would, man, they stunk, but they had this idea that Axe body spray would cover it. And they'd spray Axe body spray, it was brand new. It was like, it was, it was when, you know, if you spray Axe, like girls are gonna dig you. I know that's not how you say it anymore, Jacob, but uh, you spray. <laughs> no, no. I, so, so you spray Axe, and, and but I would smell two smells. But the point is that when our life, 
<laughs> Back on track. Um, when we're filled, listen to me, with the Holy Spirit, not just the Dixie cup, not just a little bit, but we're filled. Our life leaves something, every room we enter, every place we go to, without even opening our mouth yet. There's something that's happened in the room. There's something that takes place. There's a joy that you carry. There's a peace that you carry. There's a hope that you carry. And the presence of Almighty God is what changes things. It's what sets captives free. It's what changed that prison for Paul and Silas. It's what changed the early church. God wants to fill you today where you're empty. The last thing that happens is they are fearless. They're fearless. Jason and the team, if you want to come up. We're going to pray in just a moment. says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. <laughs> they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, I don't think anybody would have accused these guys up to this point of being fearful. Now, if you go before they were filled with, baptized with the Holy Spirit, before the book of Acts, I mean, these guys were hiding. They were on the run until they saw the resurrected Jesus. And Jesus would come to them and he'd say, do not be afraid. The Bible is full of, it's probably the most repeated command in the Bible. And it, it's something like this, do not fear, do not be afraid. And I know we, we have in our minds what fear looks like, but I think fear has a lot of faces that all keep us from doing the thing that we're created for. God wants to free us. Prayer leaves us freed. Prayer leaves us filled. When we spend time with God, he fills us where we're empty. But the last thing that happens is that he makes us fearless. Prayer makes you fearless. I mentioned this Sunday, but I'm going to repeat it. But 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Paul told Timothy, he said, Therefore I remind you to stir up or fan into flame the gift of God that's inside of you. Talk Sunday about what's in you, what God's put in you in his kingdom, in his life. In his... He says, stir it up. For, listen to this, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know what fear looked like for me for a long time? It looked like a fear of rejection, fear of failure. And, and, and those kinds of fears, I know, hold more people captive in the church than probably anything else. The fear of, well, if I try this, if I do that, it, I'll fail. It won't work out. Things will never change. We're afraid of what people might think or what they might say. We're afraid of being rejected by people. And it keeps us bottled up and, and captive. And, and here's what, what he says. If we can put verse seven, keep it on the screen for a moment. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. What were they filled with? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
the enemy has a a counterfeit to everything that God tries to do in my life. Where God wants to give me faith, the enemy tries to put fear. For every place that God has called you, there will be a giant, a fear, a lie that will try to take that ground from you. And when God frees you and God fills you, he sends you to take that giant down. He sends you to be a witness like we've talked about, to pray for others, because your prayers not only move things in your life, but they, 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 they shake things in other people's lives too. In fact, I'll just be honest, I've seen more results when I pray for others than when I even pray for myself. And do you know why I think that is? I think it's because God's put us in the church to be a part of the body. And I need your prayers and we need each other's prayer. And, and prayer is not something that's overly complex. That's why I'm gonna teach on prayer the next few Sundays. Prayer is the one thing that most Christians feel like, I know I should do that. <laughs> but I don't feel like I do enough. And sometimes we have religious ideas of what prayer looks like that rob it of its power. We think prayer is just reciting the words of dead men. I know I'm gonna offend somebody. But you know what moves the heart of God? Is not when we bring somebody else's prayer, but we get real with God. And we say, God, I need you. And God, I need you to move. And God, I'm praying for them. And God, I'm inviting you to do something in their life. And, and it becomes personal and it becomes real for us. And tonight I believe that God wants to free you in an area. And he wants to make you fearless in an area. What is one thing in your life that if that thing changed, your whole life would be better? Your whole life would be different. Let's bring that to God tonight. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.